Warning. This podcast frequently contains potentially triggering, violent, and graphic Big content. to our contributors for a special episode. Cool 16. Drumline Cam. Don't forget. Alicia. It's Halloween season. Crazy Good. So A.K.A. Gabriel A. User MPZ1968. Anonymous. Delia. User Truth Hunter 21. And user Black XN. BRKN. Thanks so much for sharing your stories with us. And a very happy Halloween from the Nightmare Society. I live in the Midwest, in a decently large town, but that's not where the story takes place. The story takes place in a smaller town, only 20 minutes from my house. I was at my friend's house. He has a really nice home compared to mine. Nothing in the house is important except the basement. We were hanging out in his basement and I was over to spend the night. We stayed up until like 12 in the morning. Normal teenage boy stuff. We turned on a show and started watching. At some point, he fell asleep on the couch at my feet. I fell asleep on a different couch closer to the TV. I shut off the TV and went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, sat up, and looked around. As my eyes adjusted to the dark... I saw a shadow of a man standing at my feet. I assume it's my friend just getting up to go to the bathroom and was trying to be quiet. So when I woke up, he just froze. I went back to sleep and nothing else happened. Fast forward a couple of years and I'm over at his house again. He had more friends over. It was him and I and three other mutual friends. It was relatively close to Halloween so he was telling us how when he was in the bathroom eating a raw carrot. He's just like that. He brought a whole cucumber to school as a snack during a map testing before. We're used to him doing things like that, so this didn't surprise us. It's the next part that got my heart to start beating faster. He left the carrot on the toilet lid and took a shower in the basement. While he was taking a shower, he heard a loud And when he peeked his head out, he didn't see the carrot anymore. The carrot was just gone. He told me that he looked for it for about 30 minutes, but he could never find the carrot. A couple of days later, he found the carrot in the bathroom on the seat lid, He said that he had used that toilet a lot and never saw it there. That got me thinking to the night I saw the shadow at my feet, and I told him about it. He said he's trained himself not to go to the bathroom at night. So, I'm not sure what I saw that night at my feet. But whatever you are, let's not meet again.
When I was around 12 years old, we lived in this very run-down, crippled house in Topeka, Kansas. Since then, I've lived in five different houses, but he is always there. Anyway, we were in that house one night, and my stepdad, who we would find out two years later was a heavy smoker and an even heavier drinker, saw a man in a purple suit walk from my room to the one bathroom. We all thought it was some crazy ghost story, as it was close to Halloween. Nobody refused to believe this story more than me. Until a couple of days later, my stepdad's story opened mine and my two brothers' eyes to the weird, sometimes unexplainable sounds we would hear late at night. Gentle tapping on the window, footsteps outside of our door, after our parents had been asleep for hours. I remember one night, I saw yellow eyes in the crack of my closet. Yellow eyes. I woke up my brother immediately and he said he didn't see a thing. But those yellow eyes stared at me for the next hour or so until I fell asleep from sheer exhaustion. I finally wake up in the morning and everything in my closet is exactly how I left it. Keep in mind this was about the beginning of October. So I go back to my dad's house for the next two weeks. And for those of you without divorced parents, going back and forth from houses is a bitch sometimes. And there isn't a sign of any weird sounds or yellow eyes. So I wasn't worried about anything. Big mistake. The footsteps turned into thumps. The gentle taps turned into irregular knocks. And the yellow eyes are back with a burning hatred in them. Even my brothers take note of the sounds, but not the eyes. This goes on Friday and Saturday night, and then Sunday I'm back at my dad's. The next time I'm back at my mom's house is the weekend of Halloween. I go to her house that Friday, which I remember being the day before Halloween. Friday night was rough. The floor was banging along with the window, which we were worried would break at any point. But we managed to fall asleep and make it to Halloween morning. So that Halloween was pretty typical. Go out and enjoy the fall weather during the day, and around 6 we would get in costume. We ended up trick-or-treating for almost 3 hours. So by the time we had gotten home, got in our pajamas, and had some cookies... It was almost 10.30, so we went to bed, and strangely there were no sounds at all. Weird, but I'm not complaining. So I fall asleep, and I remember waking up at what I guessed was 2 a.m. I needed to use the bathroom, so I climbed down the top bunk and went to the bathroom. I got there, and it was pitch black, except for the mirror. There was a man that I can only describe as foggy, but he was about six feet tall, wearing a purple suit, spiky black hair, and yellow freaking eyes. 
I flipped my lid and I threw something at the mirror and chipped the edge of it. When this figure didn't move, it occurred to me that he was only in the mirror. Flash forward about two years. Anytime I was in a dark room by myself, the room always had some sort of purple glow to it. And every year around Halloween, it got stronger. So one year, I had an idea. Why not use a Ouija board to see if I can get some answers? Well, the Ouija board worked, but not the way I wanted it to. I ended up talking to my dead grandfather. Not 100% what I was looking for, I think. Either way, I've tried for years to contact this thing, and nothing. Until a couple of weeks ago, I moved into a completely new town, about 150 miles away, and I was finally settling in. Until my friends suggested the idea of doing a Ouija board. Oh god. I decided I wasn't going to try anything until the Ouija board acted really weird. I thought maybe it was because we were using a piece of poster paper that we scribbled on. But then I felt this cold presence over my shoulder. I don't know how, but I instantly knew it was him. I told my friends I wanted to take over, even though I hadn't told them about this thing. So they let me take over, and I immediately asked... Are you the man in the purple suit? My friends looked at me like I was crazy, but I gave them the look of, I'll explain later. And the planchette moves straight to yes. Oh god. I asked, what do you want? And the planchette just spun in a circle. After that, none of my questions were answered. Strangely enough, I haven't heard much other than the tip-tap on a wall. There's still that faint purple glow, but other than that, nothing. If anyone has any answers, please reach out to me. And to the man in the purple suit, when I die, let's meet. I want some answers. My fiancé and I took a trip out to Big Bend National Park in May of 2020. We were going out there to get away since that weekend was supposed to be the weekend of our wedding. The wedding had been forced postponed due to COVID-19. We were staying at an Airbnb just about an hour outside of Big Bend in a small town in the middle of nowhere. We were supposed to be staying in this place called the Goat Shed, which was interesting. It had rained heavily the week before and the roof had caved in. The Airbnb host said that she would have to house us at one of her other places. We said that we were fine with that as long as it had air conditioning. The West Texas desert heat was no joke, even at night. We hadn't seen any pictures of the room, so I was kind of skeptical about it. 
especially since we were supposed to be celebrating our originally scheduled wedding day. Once we arrived at the Airbnb, the host walked us around the property and showed us the museum room, which was technically the living room, leading into the bedroom known as the spirit room. The host walked us into the museum room, which had a bunch of old artifacts from all over the world, many from Africa, China, Russia, and what seemed to be South America. I was absolutely amused by the collection. I love history, artifacts, and most of all, things that look creepy. I told the host that it was the most interesting room I had ever seen, and I was so excited we were able to stay there. Once the host left us to settle in, my fiancé let me know that he was uneasy with the look of the place. He said that it seemed dark and ominous. I still displayed my enthusiasm as we looked around the room. There were flags of the Chinese Communist Party, creepy wooden puppets, devilish-looking masks, and handcrafted chairs and chests with alien-looking figures carved onto them. Even though everything was a bit odd-looking, I ignored my fiancé's remarks and thought of it as my own personal museum for the weekend. During our days there, we went hiking and explored the small towns in the area. We were so tired each night that once we got home from our daily events, we would just knock out. However, our last night there is what chilled me to the bone. Like all nights prior, we fell asleep as soon as we got back and settled into the Airbnb. I suddenly woke up at around 3.30 a.m. with a feeling that someone or something was watching me. I'm that person who's watched many scary movies and read so many horror novels that I know that 3 to 4 a.m. is the devil's hour, and this of course put me on edge even more. I'm not an easily scared person rather someone who loves to embrace the adrenaline rush. But this time I was way too scared to even move or glance over at the right side of the room, which was immediately attached to the museum room. I peeped over to the left side of the room and in my peripheral saw a dark shadow on the right. I began to shake and closed my eyes tighter than I ever have in my entire life. I felt a weight on my chest, not paralyzing, but I was so terrified that I could barely move. I finally built up the courage to reach over to my fiancé and grabbed him by the arm. I grabbed him so hard that he woke up and startled and I whispered, I think there's something on the right side of the room. He looked over in terror and prompted me to pray. Dear God, please pray. We aren't people who pray very often, so this was definitely different. We both closed our eyes, held each other's hands tight, and prayed for what I think was a straight 30 minutes. I never built the courage to look directly to the right side of the room that night. 
My fiancé was brave enough to reach over and turn on the bedside light to make us feel safer. Even with it on, I could not look over there or even move out of bed. I was so glad that it was the last night we had to spend the night at that Airbnb. I don't know if there was some dark entity attached to one or some of the old artifacts in the room, or if someone was able to get into the Airbnb through the back door. Either way, I know something was there, and it scared me more than I ever been. Once I got home, I felt much more at ease, but some nights I still wake up, scared that the dark shadow on the side of my room is going to be there. I'll never stay in that town ever again, and I'll be more aware of the Airbnbs I book. To give you an idea of the double wide I used to live in, you walk into the front door, and to the right is my room, about 20 feet from the door, and the bathroom was right in front of it. To the opposite side of the door was my parents, which was about 25 feet from the door, and there was a bathroom right past there. Anyway, at the time, my bathroom didn't work, and every time I had to go, I would go to my parents. This particular night I just felt off as I had been feeling nauseous every time I stepped into the room. Well, I had to pee really bad one night and I booked it down the hallway to the bathroom as fast as I could and finished my business and walked slowly back to my room because I was just flat out tired. When I opened my door there was a man staring down through my window. Now, there are a few things about this that startled me. The main ones being the fact that the man had glowing red eyes, and everything else was just charcoal black, except for his teeth. Along with the fact that there is a person staring down through my window, and the window is six to seven feet tall, that freaked me out. So I put my back against the wall and slowly backed out, staring at him, then ran like there was no tomorrow to my parents' room, where the man was then staring at me through their window. This really happened. I do not use drugs outside of caffeine and nicotine. I do not drink alcohol of any sort. So this was not a hallucination caused by either of the two. Nor do I have any mental issues that I know of. Let's make that clear. Going back about a year before this incident, at that time I was really into ghost hunting shows. I watched and recorded any and every show I could find that was about a team of ghost hunters investigating haunted places. 
Some were really good and others just sucked. No disrespect. I remember watching the show where the lead hunter guy is a muscle-bound jerk. Who doesn't like bullies but in turn is one himself. He orders his crew around like he owns them and they follow him blindly like sheep. I think you know the one. It's a good show. At least it used to be. Anyway, they were investigating a bar owned by an old country singer, located in one of the southern states, who wrote a semi-popular song about a girl. Everyone in the paranormal community says this place is truly haunted. Okay, now that that's over with, back to the story. They were down in the basement, I think. It's been a while since I've seen it, and to this day, it's the only episode of that show I will never watch again. They were talking with some guy about what goes on there, when up in the left top corner of the screen there appeared a shadow figure, wearing a cowboy hat standing in the doorway. At this time in the show, they stopped the film and pointed out that when they were actually down there, they didn't see this figure and only discovered it while reviewing the footage. I was naive back then and didn't really know much about the paranormal. I figured it's a TV show. What harm could it really do? Boy, was I wrong. I now know that ghosts, entities, or whatever you call them, can follow you home from places, and are made up of energy and can travel through any energy source they want. And one did. Now, many years before this next incident, an old friend of mine, back when I was 11 or 12, who I met through playing baseball in the same team, he had recently bought a house and was looking for someone to just give his old trailer slash mobile home to, which is where this incident happened. We had lost contact over the years, but unbeknownst to me, he had kept contact with my dad. My dad gave him my number. He called me up and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. A free trailer. Just pay lot rent. Oh, heck yeah. I'll take it. The trailer was old and needed work, but it was a good deal. I moved in, did some minor repairs, and a couple of weeks after that, I invited my father and stepmother over for dinner. My stepmother is what she calls an old soul. She can sense when things aren't right with the universe. She took one look at the place and said, There's bad juju here. I don't like it. Every time she came to visit, she was nervous. She wouldn't sit still, always looking down the hallway. She eventually stopped coming altogether. She said it was just too, quote, thick for her, whatever that meant. I just thought she was nuts. I now know that she's not. I lived there for many years, had some strange things happen, seeing some apparitions out of the corner of my eye, voices, cold breezes, etc. I just chalked it up to bad lighting outside noises, insulation issues, etc. Some rational explanation until that night. 
The night that changed my whole belief systems forever. The night I will never, ever forget. I was lying in bed asleep on my back like I always do. When I woke up and noticed a black figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. The hallway light was on. I always leave it on in case I need to make a bathroom run late at night. The light from behind the figure showed it had a head, two arms and two legs, and no eyes. It was just standing there. I blinked a couple of times to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing, and sure enough, I was. Only this time when I looked at it, it was wearing a cowboy hat. The moment I realized that, I physically saw it jump from the standing position in the doorway over top of the bed and land on top of me. My body became stiff, unable to move. Out of my peripheral vision, I could see my wife lying next to me. I tried to scream, but nothing came out. I saw the figure sitting on top of me. It reached his hands down into my chest and started squeezing my lungs. I couldn't breathe. It was squeezing the life right out of me. There I was, gasping for air, paralyzed and unable to make a sound. Just when I thought I was about to die, a series of intensely bright white lights started flashing all around the room, like a strobe light on steroids. I closed my eyes to shield them from the lights. It was that bright. All of a sudden, my body jerked a couple of times like a convulsion, and then stopped. I opened my eyes, and it was gone. I was able to breathe again. I lied there, heavy breathing for a good 20 minutes, too scared to move. When I finally got the nerve to try, I slowly moved my right hand over to my nightstand. Still shaking from fear, I grabbed my phone to check the time like I always do when I wake up in the middle of the night. The time was 3.48 a.m., the witching hour. Needless to say, I did not go back to sleep that night. I cautiously got out of bed, so not to wake up my wife, and turned on every light in the house, every single one, including all the bedroom lights. How my wife stayed sleeping, I don't know. But thankfully she did. I made a pot of coffee, grabbed my Bible, and sat at the dining room table, drinking coffee, Bible in hand, until the morning came. I must have smoked at least a pack and a half of cigarettes in that three-hour span of time. I'm good with that. I'm still alive. I asked my wife if she had seen or heard anything strange the night before. She said no, and I left it at that. I didn't tell her what had happened and I still haven't. She probably wouldn't believe me anyway. My wife and I stayed at that trailer for about two months after that. When we got the opportunity to rent an actual house, we took it. We packed all our things and moved out. On the last day we were ever at that trailer, my wife had left a vacuum in the back room where this experience happened. She asked if I would go get said vacuum, and I agreed. Upon entering the room, a weird sense of dread fell over me. 
and something inside me told me I needed to get out of there quick. I grabbed the vacuum, ran down the hallway, and out the front door as fast as I could, slamming the door behind me. I then turned around and yelled, You want this place? You can have it! I'm gone! My wife looked at me like I had lost my mind. My father and stepmother helped us move out, along with some friends. My stepmother insisted that we drive all the vehicles that contained our belongings over bodies of water to block any of the bad juju from coming with us to the new house. We did, and have had no bad experiences in our new house. Aside from a few really bad dreams I had the first couple of nights we were there about the trailer, but that was it. This happened to my brother when he was 15. We grew up on the Navajo Reservation in Arizona. He was coming home from hanging out with a friend, and it was probably around 2 a.m. because his curfew was 11, and my guardian had been up a while. I know this because she was talking to my mom in the kitchen and super angry slash loud, and I stayed up listening to them argue. When he came in, my guardian started to tell him off, but stopped because he was crying and talking in a hysterically frightened tone. Apparently, he came in the back gate and saw a coyote standing propped up on its hind legs against the back door, looking into the window. This wasn't so odd because it was Arizona, but when he came closer, the coyote turned its head to look at him, and as it did, it turned its whole body and started walking toward him on two legs like a man. My brother swears it looked too big for a coyote as it came at him. He ran back out the gate and came around to the front door. To this day, he still cries talking about it. He's convinced he encountered a skinwalker watching our family. I also remember a wicked-looking eagle following me everywhere I went up there. So much so that as a kid I talked to it and considered it one of my closest friends. And I know it sounds crazy, but as a kid, I remember telling it a really crappy joke I had loved and hearing laughter in my head. I've had many paranormal or just straight up scary things happen to me over the last few years. I started practicing Wicca when I had just turned 14. It's a few years later now and I'm living across the country from where this story took place. I had just gotten home from a rough day at school and was tired, so I went to my room and decided to take a nap. I woke up around five hours later and it was already dark outside. I looked at my clock and it read 8.07. Crap. I had to get in the shower. I went to get up but nothing moved. 
My head could be kept on a swivel, but my arms and legs would not move. Was I dreaming? I must have been. I've never had sleep paralysis before. Was this what it was like? I shut my eyes and whispered, Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I still didn't. I opened my eyes and was scanning my room. I was looking out my window when I noticed a figure in the bushes near the front walkway of my house. They noticed me looking at them and immediately stood up and ran into the woods. It looked like a well-built man, about 6 foot 2 and 185 pounds. I know, pretty specific, but I couldn't move so I surveyed everything to exact detail. He disappeared behind a group of trees, but I kept my eyes on the tree line, just in case he decided to come back for another look. I yelled for my mom because I still couldn't move. I don't know why I didn't do this first, but I didn't care at the moment. I could hear her walking down the hallway ever so calmly. Mom! Come here! Mom! I yelled even louder this time. Her steps moved closer to my door but never picked up the pace. She peered her head in through my room and then slowly entered. Her manner boggled me. She was so calm, even seeing me in my state of shock and almost in tears. Mom, I can't move. Just my head. There was a man outside too. What's going on? I said something along those lines. I remember her response so clearly because of how hard it hit me with fear. Don't worry, honey. Everything will be just fine. As the words left her lips, she grabbed my comforter that was at the foot of my bed and slid it up over my head. Her footsteps went out my door, down the hallway, and faded away. This scared the crap out of me. Why in the hell was she so calm? My eyes became heavy quickly and I fell asleep. When I woke up, I had this feeling that I was being stared at. I shook my head to make the blanket come down off my head so I could see my room. The blanket fell below my chin and I was greeted by what looked like a shadow figure hovering over me. Not on the ground, but on the ceiling. It was crouched on my ceiling hanging upside down, staring at me. It began to open its mouth. It was just a dark hole. No teeth, no tongue, nothing. Close your eyes now. The figure's voice was pure nightmare fuel. Raspy, breathy, and extremely deep. I slammed my eyelids shut and was met with calmness. No uneasy feeling. No feeling of someone staring at me. Nothing. I moved my hand up to my mouth. I could move now. I opened my eyes and my room was empty. I was wide awake and went into the living room. Mom! Why weren't you more worried when I called you earlier? Her left eyebrow rose. She asked me what I was talking about. She said she had never gone into my room and that I certainly had not called her. 
my jaw dropped, and I spun around and walked back to my room as calmly as I could. I assumed the figure outside my window had been the same figure in my room. I blamed this occurrence on myself and practicing Wicca and unleashing a bad spirit. My family moved across the country not much later after this happened. So, shadow figure type thing. Let's not meet again. I'm sharing this just in the hopes of finding some answers. If anyone has similar experiences, I would love to know. It's been several years now and I still find myself thinking about this encounter multiple times a week. My wife and I are both very sensitive to energies that most people around us are not. We've each had our share of far out paranormal encounters separately. And since we've been together, it's been one hell of a ride. That just seems to get more far out as time goes on. While we were building our house, we were living in a large wall tent on our property. It was pretty large for a tent, almost 400 square feet, so you could easily walk around in it. It had our full-sized bed on a bed frame in there, a kitchen area, and a table with several chairs. It even had a canvas drop cloth as a floor so we weren't walking around in the dirt, and I had the sides folding in and weighted down all the way around, as well as staked down to keep any critters out. Apart from a couple of flies and one or two spiders, it did the trick. At the time, I was doing freelance handyman repair work during the day and building our house in the evenings. And on the day of this incident, I was finishing up work on a house that had bad juju written all over it. I could feel the negative energy from the curb the first time I pulled up to the house to meet the owner. And walking through the door, the feeling intensified. But it wasn't absolutely overwhelming. And what can I say? We really needed the money. I had lost part of a thumb a week earlier in an accident working on the house. I had an upcoming surgery to get it stitched up and to get the bone properly covered, and we did not have insurance. Money was more than tight. Besides, I felt comfortable in my abilities to keep the negative energy at bay while I did whatever work had to be done and get the heck out of there. Anyways, after a couple of weeks of working there, By the way, no one was living there at the time. The regular things that you would expect to happen in a high-energy place happened. Lights flipping back on right after I would turn them off. Doors slamming shut right behind me while I'm walking down the hallway. Or opening for me as I'm reaching for them. The kind of stuff that's pretty much just meant to get a rise out of you. And the more I played it cool, the more intense it got. Eventually, I get to the last day, when over the phone the owner hinted at stiffing me for the bill, and I was packing up all my gear. I guess it was evident that I wasn't planning on coming back, because the activity in the house was extremely low. 
virtually non-existent, except for the same dense negative energy that was always there. But now, more than ever, I felt like I was being watched. Not just watched, but stared at. Like something was focusing on me with everything it had. Everything up until this point had been weird, but it was only your everyday kind of weird. The kind of weird that people who don't want to accept it can still somehow find logical excuses for. They'll say there was a draft. Faulty wiring. Really big mice in the walls. Etc. The next thing that happened was the first thing in the house that genuinely spooked me. As I walked through the living room to the front door to leave for good, tool bucket in hand, I passed the only hallway in the house on my right. As I looked down the hallway to double check that I had turned off all the lights, I saw something I didn't want to believe. At the end of the hallway, about 20 to 30 feet away from me, sat a huge black dog. Its head was following me as I walked past the hallway. When I say huge, I mean massive. Like, my head would have fit inside its mouth. Prior experience with manifestations like that have taught me to give it as little energy as possible, and that you're better off acting like you hadn't noticed it. So I continued to walk calmly to the front door, even though every hair on my body was standing on end and my adrenaline was racing. I stopped at the front door inside the house, turned around and addressed the house and everything within it, stating that as I left the house, nothing was welcome to follow me. I drove home and that was that. I didn't tell my wife because I didn't want to worry her. We had enough going on at the time without bringing up things that I felt I had already addressed. So fast forward to later that night. My wife and I are fast asleep in bed. I am torn out of sleep by my wife's terrified gasp. And being in a canvas tent in the middle of nowhere, I was already on edge. In the first split second of being awake, I see my wife sitting upright in our bed, still in the process of gasping, while our dog, who had been sleeping next to her, ran, barking and snarling like a lunatic, and jumped off the base of the bed, between us and the door. I still hadn't seen what was terrifying them, but I leapt out of the bed, while shouting at our dog, Bed good dog he's a little guy and his job was to let me know about the boogeyman not to fight it himself and landed between the dog and the entrance to our tent the entrance which was not only still zipped up and buckled up tight but staked to the ground in multiple places as well as I did every night as my feet hit the ground I stood almost face to face with a massive black dog. It was sitting in front of the doorway, and as I landed and looked it in the eyes, I was filled with nothing short of absolute rage. I love my wife with all of my heart, and here was something dangerous that was not welcome in our home, watching us sleep. 
Immediately, I stepped forward and shouted at it, deep and loud. Get out! As I did so, this thing stands up and steps towards me, and I shout again, this time clapping my hands together as hard and as loud as I can while stepping forwards again. Again, this unbelievably massive dog, which is almost face to face with me, height-wise, steps forward. At this point, we're maybe four feet away from each other. It hasn't run off, and it's clear that this thing could easily kill us both, if I let it. I lunge forward and come down as hard as I can with my right fist aiming to kill it, aiming between the snout and right below the eyes. And just like that, ready to get torn to ribbons by this thing, I go right through it, and it's gone. I'm completely shocked and spin around to see if somehow it slipped past me to my wife and dog, then unzip the very bottom of the front of our home, rip the stakes from the earth and run a few steps out into the night, looking every direction for the thing. The moon is out and I've got excellent night vision, but I cannot see any sign of it. Nothing moving. No footsteps. I can't smell it. Nothing. So after a minute, I run back inside to make sure my wife is okay. She's still sitting straight up in bed, eyes wide open. But she's okay, and the dog is tense as hell. I finally felt my thumb screaming in pain and pouring blood at this point. The bone was still exposed, waiting for surgery, and the heavy bandage had gotten knocked at some point. My heart rate is calming down, and I asked her what she saw while I'm trying to stop the bleeding again with paper towels. Now we're both extremely logical people, despite all of the weird stuff we've seen. No matter how much paranormal stuff you've seen, you can't fall down the rabbit hole, and it's still safe to assume that the vast majority of the weird theming you experience can be explained logically. That's the way that we both view it. But when I asked her what she saw, before telling her what I saw, she looked me dead in the eyes and said that it looked like a werewolf was sitting in our doorway, watching us. I don't believe in werewolves, but I know for a fact that we both individually identified an unbelievably massive canine in our home, ten feet from the foot of our bed and we both saw it vanish into thin air. I know our dog saw something that he identified was a threat. There were no tracks anywhere around the tent the next morning. I looked as soon as the sun came up. Even if there had been tracks, we live in the middle of nowhere, in the desert. There are no wolves. There are occasionally stray dogs and coyotes, but everything is on the small side. The only description that has consistently come to my mind since then has been a hellhound, but I can't seem to find any similar stories online.
This happened 17 years ago, so please forgive me if the exact details are a little fuzzy. It was the summer of 1999, and I was spending vacation with my mother in New Mexico. I was a 12-year-old girl, going on 21, and had a severe attitude. I made friends easily with a few girls that lived just around the corner from my mom's house. We spent every moment together that summer. We were a group of four, all of us thinking we were older and smarter than everyone else. Nikki, Katie, Julie, and myself. We were the last generation of home phone lines, playing outside on the trampoline until dark, and sleepovers. We watched VHS tapes, listened to cassette tapes on our Walkman, It was okay to let your children walk around town at night, and we rarely locked the front door. We had no cell phones and no internet. My backyard had a concrete wall around it and a gate. Behind the wall was desert as far as the eye could see. Just the barren desert wasteland of dirt, cacti, shrubs, and mountains way off in the distance. This town had a major railroad track running straight through it, and there was a major street that had gas stations galore, restaurants, hotels, and attractions. We all received the same warnings from our parents. Stay out of the desert, stay away from the tracks, and don't walk the main strip at night. Do you think we listened? Absolutely not. Julie, Nikki, and I spent our days walking through the desert, crossing the tracks, down the strip to Katie's house. Sometimes we would just walk around till dusk. Some days we would go to my house to jump on the trampoline. This particular day we got to Katie's house prepared to stay the weekend because her parents were out of town and we were having a party. The first night the girls were jumping from a spiral staircase to a giant beanbag. I refused to participate in this due to my extreme fear of heights. We then got down to sleepover business, so to say, and decided to watch the original Exorcist. You know, the one with Linda Blair. Freaking scary crap, man. I did not sleep. The second night, we all told our parents that Katie's mom, we obviously did not tell our parents we were alone, was going to drive us to the movies. We all got money for the movies and then promptly walked down the strip to get junk food at the little store. That's what we called it. Now I wish I could say that we were aware of our surroundings, but we were not. We were absolutely oblivious of the man who followed us all the way back to the house. I feel that I should mention that Katie's parents were loaded. They had a huge property with numerous buildings and broken-down cars that her dad was remodeling. Their house had a large open kitchen, dining and living room. There were no walls and the whole room was lined with windows. There were two doors, front and back. The day went just as planned. We got our junk food and made it home safely. We made pizza in the oven, and for some reason, one of the girls turned on the TV to the news. 
As we were eating, we heard a story about staying indoors because there was a report of a suspicious man walking the strip. That's it. Suspicious man. We laughed and joked about this man. Fast forward a few hours. I don't remember what happened. But as girls do, someone said something that hurt Julie's feelings, and she stormed out of the house. I went after her and opened the front door just in time to see her light up a cigarette. Yeah, we were bad kids. I sat with her on a bench while she complained about the other two. Suddenly, the air got thick with anxiety. Julie felt it too. I quietly asked if she felt like we were being watched. She responded with a tiny nod and then we were blinded. Someone was in a car in the driveway with their brights on us. My heart was racing as I stood up and pulled Julie out of the spot she seemed to be stuck in. As we turned to run inside, the man made a sound. I can't describe the sound other than a high-pitched squeal that turned into a growl. I was scared beyond all reason, but I somehow managed to get myself and Julie inside the house. As soon as we got inside, the headlights went off and it was pitch black again. I locked the door and turned off the light. By this time, Julie had regained her composure to tell the other two what had happened, as I frantically checked the back door and turned every light off. I told them to shut up, and we listened by the back door. I heard the car door close, and I was praying to God that he would go away. Then, right by my cheek, the door handle started to turn slowly, then frantically. I crawled away from the door and moved to where my friends were. For the next two or three hours, we sat still as stone and listened to this man bang on every window and every door trying to get inside. The phone was located across the room right next to two windows. I finally got up the courage to run to the phone and I called my mom. I told her that we were all alone and someone was trying to get inside. I hung up with her and waited. Julie screamed to the man that we called the cops and all of a sudden the banging stopped. We sat and waited listening to him get in his car, and then that sound again, and then he was gone. My mom and stepdad showed up and checked the whole place out. They found tire tracks and cigarette butts in the driveway where his car was, proving he had watched us for a while. The truly scary part were the scratch marks over the doors and windows. Needless to say, Katie spent the rest of the weekend at Nikki's house and had a great story for her parents when they got home. Our parents didn't punish us for lying and being reckless. I guess two hours of torture at the hands of a madman was enough. We made a report to the police, but the man was never caught. So, suspicious, creepy freaking guy. Let's not meet. I hope you enjoyed this Halloween special. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. 
if you're listening via YouTube or even if you're not. Please subscribe over there as well. Give us a like, a share, all that kind of good stuff. We're so glad to have you and thank you for coming. And until next time. Sweet dreams. Ha, 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 ha.